edition of the Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Robert. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Virginia Coates. Virginia is now a health coach specializing in cognitive behavioral therapy, or its acronym CPT. Uh, so welcome on to the show, Virginia. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, before we delve into today's episode, Virginia, can we go back to the beginning as to where you, your journey began? You can, definitely. Okay, so um, I've always been big into health and fitness, um, exercise, since I was probably age of three. I had my first tennis racket in my hand, um, started lessons from there. I've always done team sports, so tennis, hockey, um, got into running when I was 16 and started doing kind of half marathons, London Marathon, everything or anything that I could that I could do, duathlons, etc. Um, and loved it and still love it now. Um, so that's kind of like the fitness element of things. Alongside that, um, I started kind of training um, as a teacher, so a primary school teacher. So I did that for four years at uni. And then on the back of there, obviously started teaching in schools as well. Um, I came across a really good opportunity to be like a personal assistant for a CEO of a company in Manchester, um, which was for me like amazing because I never thought I'd have the opportunity to go into the business world and see how a business is ran um, and all the different teams within there. So that I spent kind of 18 months um, doing a personal assistant role and learned an awful lot. Um, and the back of there kind of came to the end of that year and I was like, well, what is it that I'm actually passionate about? You know, what do I want to do? How am I going to be able to impact people and help others? Um, and from there, I was like, you know what? It kind of brought me back to my roots, you know, health, fitness. And that's when I started to train as a personal trainer. Um, and then for me, you know, the whole CBT, going into um, mindfulness, the mindset aspect of things is the biggest driver. Because um, I think obviously being a teacher, it's you very much, you've got that kind of coaching, mentoring background. So something that I definitely, I love to use with clients and really find it, it helps. So, yeah. But how did CBT kind of come about for you personally? So CPT was something that I actually experienced myself on a few occasions. Um, so I started probably well, from the age of about 13, um, quite bad body dysmorphia. So having an athletic body throughout the whole of um, my childhood, I kind of hit 13, started puberty, realized, you know, looked at my own, looked at the body of, of the girls around me, became a lot more aware as you do when you're at that age. Um, and from there developed quite an unhealthy um, relationship with food and my own body. I started exercising loads. I started limiting what I was eating um, and dropped quite a lot of, of weight in that time. So this is probably between the period of, say, 13 and 16. And then from 16, I um, was going through kind of like a lot of exam pressure and still had this had lost a lot of weight but didn't know what to do from here so I still wasn't happy with my body um, and decided to kind of get into um, well a de well developed an eating disorder bulimia uh, from the age of 16 to about the age of 22 so it was a good like six-year battle um, with bulimia and through that I experienced CBT so I would I my parents found out my friends found out um, and I was kind of forced uh, to 
go to the GP and explain what, what was going on. And they referred me to um, cognitive behavioral therapy. So the first I saw somebody, first of all, right at the start, so when I was 16, um, and as much as this person tried to help, the therapist really did try and help, I was not in the position to help myself. And all the kind of techniques, etc. nothing was going in. I wasn't taking any of the information um, on board. I was very much still, um, the eating disorder was actually becoming quite useful for me. So I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was not ready to change at all. Um, and then kind of a couple of years later, I tried to do things on my own. I read quite a few books, had family members that were trying to help me during that time. Things, I'd go through periods of time, like months, weeks, where it would get better, um, but then I'd just completely relapse again. So then probably two years into that's when I was about 17, I started like a second dose of CBT. So I went back and got referred again to a different uh, region and this person this lady was uh, so really really amazing you know she was very much similar techniques but a I was I was ready to change and b I think there was a there was a massive passion from her which I connected with straight away um, I could tell that she genuinely wanted to help and so from there you know I after experiencing all that myself and knowing the benefits and really researching you know after there as well the the effects of CBT not just for eating disorders but mental health in general anxiety depression I thought you know what this is something that has helped me so much to get to where I am now I need to now help people who have who are on this journey or have been through this journey to help them overcome their their struggles so yeah. and do you think it's going to be more and more of a problem uh, this day and age, obviously, with um, social media being very much part of uh, the younger generation's day-to-day -day life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of exam pressure. Um, so not only is the social media rife at the minute, but things like exams in schools are getting harder. You know, targets are always continuously being raised. So it feels like at the minute young people have got this pressure of not only having to look amazing because they can see all these images on, on social media, but also they have to, you know, be amazing. They've got to be educated. They've got to do all these certain things that come pressure from themselves, from parents, from teachers. And it's only getting worse and worse because obviously you can what you see in social media I mean, it can be so amazing it can really if you're if people are out there promoting a really positive you know body image and positive mindset then it could be absolutely incredible and latch on to those people that are doing that but then on the flip side there's so many images that you see of these kind of perfect lives that are going on you know you only see the good bits rather than the things that you know perhaps aren't going so well in that person's life and when you're young and you're vulnerable and you're you know a young teenager a young girl young boy then you you you're kind of looking at that you're looking at it as a, as a false false perspective really of reality um and i think as long as there's people posting all the positive things and um quite unhealthy aspects of life then things are only going to get worse and that's where we need to kind of there needs to be more positive role models stepping in and really sharing you know real life and and what you know what it is to be you know positive and healthy and really accept who you are instead but also we talked about this off air do you think that doesn't it come back to um the person taking a little bit of ownership uh, and kind of questioning that is what well why is the person only showing 
the good side of their life? Shouldn't there be um, some bad as well? Because at the end of the day, that person's still a human being. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you... If you're in a position on social media, so whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, if you're in a position where you have people that are following you, especially the younger generation, then you have a right to put out there, you know, things that are realistic, things that are actually happening in day-to-day life, things like, for example, your struggles, what you've been through and how can you connect with those younger people to help them through if they ever experience such struggles themselves, they know what to do. You know, practical ideas and tips and useful information rather than just, you know, pictures that are promoting a certain image and a certain way that you should be. It's very much like now I just think, you have to accept who you are. We're all different. We're all born with natural talents. So actually understand what those talents are, understand what you love doing and your passions and follow them. And don't try and kind of conform to a certain image or a certain ideal of what other people's pressure, you know, putting on you. That's, yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it because obviously everybody in their own ways is very much... I put it very individualistic. Not one person is everybody is unique, and everybody is not. How I put my words out, but everybody is unique in their own way. Yeah, definitely. And um, recently, I saw that you were at um, the Girls Gains, the Women Who Inspire Us event in London, uh, to obviously discuss as we've talked about your um, battle with bulimia and body dysmorphia and how you fell in love with fitness. What was that experience like? Oh, it was amazing. There was probably about 100 or so young ladies, a few young um, gentlemen as well, mothers who would come with their daughters, and they were very much um, kind of open to listening to these these ladies that came up. So I was one of the ladies, and there was other ones that had kind of run their own businesses, etc., um, giving different insights into the fitness world and you know what what it's like to really run your own business, etc. Um, so for me, it was fantastic to kind of share my story um, and really connect with the audience. You know, there were so many people that came up to me afterwards saying, you know, asking questions about, you know, how did your parents deal with it? And what did your school do? And, you know, practical questions that people just just are too afraid to ask and it was lovely to be able to answer those in just a very genuine you know calm environment nothing was um worrying for anyone it was very relaxed so yeah it was lovely it was really enjoyed it and how did the opportunity come about um, so I um, I work with um, a lady called Vic, who Victoria, who's part of the Girl Games. So there are two of them are obviously based down in in London, um, and Vic's up here in Manchester. So I work with her. We personally train together, um, and we have a very similar story in terms of um, Vic's eating disorder as well, and her battle with anorexia that she went through. And we connected and we shared our stories, and from there we saw you know we had mutual interests and mutual ways of looking at the world now because we've been through those struggles and what would be kind of some of your tips for anybody listening to this episode as to what they should do to maybe um overcome their i won't say it's a problem but their mental state and kind of mindset they're in at the moment 
Yeah, I'd say a lot of it comes down to acceptance. Um, when I finally started to accept who I was and the things that I loved and the things that I was good at, that's when things really started to change. And your acceptance comes from actually spending time on yourself. So having areas um, like, you know, hours in your day or half an hour a day of having self-development time, of reading a book that you're interested in, of listening to a podcast that you're interested in, something that you can do whether it be maybe a bit of mindfulness maybe it's um writing like journaling doing gratitude journals etc just having time to think about you because i think quite a lot of the time especially now with social media people get swept away um in what's going on all the time and the images that they see elsewhere um and it's really about just thinking like who am i and what do I want from life? Where do I want to go? Because I, I came to a point in my life, especially in my eating disorder, when I knew that this was not going to get me to my goals. And I'm massively into goal setting. So, you know, I've got, a ridiculous, I've got books worth of goals, um, massive, massive goals. That if I read them out, you'd think I was delusional. But I truly believe that they will they'll manifest because I am, I've written them down and I'm working towards them unintentionally every single day of my life um and so yeah goal setting is massive massive to get into and that's part of the self-development you know reflecting and really thinking you know how am I going to impact on the world from here you know what my passion is and and how am I going to take small steps to where I want to go what's the end goal what's the end vision and this would be probably a poignant question to ask you um I had uh, Professor Andy Lane on, oh gosh, it's going to be early on in the podcast. Uh, he was talking about, obviously, emotions and kind of um, other people sometimes uh, put their own emotions on a certain individual because they want to get them to do well, if we look at it from the fitness perspective, but kind of from your perspective do you see that sometimes that can be overbearing when somebody has uh, a problem with body dysmorphia and things like that because okay the family member has the right intentions but it can do you think it can be kind of too overbearing sometimes I think to be honest everyone deals with um, these kind of situations very differently so in terms of like for example my parents dealt with my eating disorder very very differently so my mum would get very upset about it um, and that was her way of dealing with the situation you know she'd, she'd cry she would she just couldn't understand it neither of them could my dad would get very angry um, he just didn't understand why I couldn't just snap out of it you know it's it's very very different and it's all kind of coping mechanisms um, at the end of the day you just have to you have to kind of work together and this is why communication is so so key so even that person who is suffering whether with whatever mental disorder it might be you need to try to even if it takes a long time months maybe you know years you have just got to be there for that person and support them and be ready to listen for when they're ready to talk you know and try and pick them on any kind of telltale signs that they give away you know anything that changes their mood might make them slightly happier grasp onto that and really really use that you know and, and do the activities that they enjoy to make them feel better and put them in a better kind of state of mind and then i've got this another analogy uh, that i've uh, brought up in another episode um about uh the mindset that people with 
bulimia, anorexia, and things like that have. Uh, and you kind of put it in, if you put it into a sporting context uh, of the person's, um, how would I put it, well being, and they don't have an identity. But I think I worded it as to you, do you kind of dis, detach yourself from the problem and think, well, it's, it's kind of, I don't have it. Uh, kind of thing and it's kind of do you believe to be it's how how would I put this kind of like an outer body experience you think you do you, can you kind of see from a certain aspect that you believe you don't have a problem but then on the other hand you think you do yeah so during that time when I had bulimia I, was, I would always say like it was I was like two people it was the weirdest thing. And when I look back now, I just think, wow, it was, I would go into this, I'd, I'd constantly lie. Like I would um, try and hide things. It's a very secretive um, disease. I wrote a blog post not long ago now about, uh, believe me, the dirty disorder people don't talk about because it, there's so much dishonesty to it. There's so many opportunities for you to be able to lie about it. And, um, yeah, so it was It was kind of like, I, I obviously during this time, I was still working, I was still playing sport to a high level, you know, I was doing everything that I wanted to do, but in the background, I still had this massive secret that was holding me back, um, and, you know, it's a, it's a similar thing with any eating disorder, and any really mental health, and that's why mental health is so, so key that we try and get it across to people, that people are suffering, you know, you walk down the street, people are suffering, but you'll never know, because they will hide it from you, you know, because there is that like two person thing going on. And it's, that's the, it's the most distressing thing because in your head, from me at that time, I hated being two different people. I absolutely, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I could be this one person that was doing really well in sport, really well in education, was kind of getting all the goals that she wanted to get. But then on the flip side, knew that I was not accessing my full potential because there was something holding me back the whole time. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a kind of a two person battle. Um, and it's, it's a horrific place to be in. So as long as soon as you can break that, really release yourself and see kind of what it all comes down again to this, like that vision, you know, like, where do you want to be in the end result? Like, what are you aiming towards? What's, what's your life when you get to like the end of your life, where do you want to be? And if you ask yourself that question and you really, really plan it out, then you you know that there's nothing can get in your way and the eating disorders are something that is going to get in your way and going to hold you back massively but in terms of looking where you want to be later on in your life how would you go about that because to a certain extent some people might think um they might have a goal you know like i'm having more money but that's to a certain extent that's a bit superficial mm. Yeah, so, well, if you look at, like, kind of my journey so far, I've done various different things. So, obviously, I've gone from teaching to being a personal assistant to being a personal trainer. You know, I've, I kind of assess my vision as this. My vision is to impact as many people as I possibly can and to create the best version of everybody that I kind of come into contact with. So that's my like overall vision and it doesn't matter, you know, what job I'm doing. It doesn't matter what I'm doing kind of, you know, um, the 
official role as long as I know that every single day that's my mission that's what I'm going to drive towards then I, I'll accomplish it as long as I'm doing everything you know every day to get to that point then it's fine it doesn't need to be right I've got to do this I've got to do that I've got to um, get that job to be able to you know get to that position it's not like that it's literally you go and do what you're passionate about today and how are you going to get that to that vision and yeah that's the way forwards keep striving towards your but if you reflect kind of on the well, career path that you've taken yeah. uh, and kind of look at it in the, as a whole, do you think you've taken kind of bits from every kind of workplace and kind of molded it into the person you are now and kind of the business you run now? 100%, yeah. So I think I always say like I'm always a teacher at heart. So for me, I'll always be into coaching and mentoring people. That's my passion. That's where I know that I'm, I can make the most impact by seeing people develop and helping them, you know, guidance wise. And that's come from teaching. Obviously from um, personal assistant role, it was the aspects that I got from running a business and then train like personal training. Again, it's like a coaching style role. So yes. And moving forward, it's like I want to be, kind of like public speaking, sharing health, fitness, um, and, you know, helping people to overcome their, their mental health issues. So, yeah, I guess, you know, I've really taken an aspect of every of every element that I've kind of been through. It's, it's a, life is a journey. And the thing is, like, you're on a journey, pick up as much information as you can, share as much information as you can, and good things will only come back to you if you just keep giving them out. And then what's your thought on... Uh... How would I word this now? Um, we talk about, obviously, in our industry, about consistency. But isn't that, looking at it, if we delve on it, looking at it from a mental aspect, isn't that looking at being too perfectionist at, at some point? Whereas we, we kind of bash, you know, like the when you, you're looking at being too random, you kind of up and down with things, but shouldn't it be a case of, if we look more so at the nutrition side of things, a little bit of uh, a mixture of the two? Yeah, so I guess, you know, you don't want to be so rigid that you're having the same aim kind of foods every single day and life gets very boring and that's where the perfectionism comes in and actually is going to take a negative um slant on on what you're doing every day but again you know so for example you've got to have a bit of flexibility in, in the things that you're doing a bit of um of responding to things that go so you can wake up in the morning and you don't know what that day is going to hold for you you know that you've got a plan okay so you might have an agenda of right, i've got this these clients so i'm going to do this you know in the afternoon i want to go and play hockey or play tennis at this so you can have like a basic outline but then sometimes something will a curveball come and you've got to think right okay i'm going to deal with this if you go through your life not being able to deal with the curveballs you're not going to get very far because these are the obstacles that you need to just keep plowing through so for example like nutrition wise you might have planned out a whole week's worth of perfect nutrition you've got your breakfast your lunches your dinners your snacks all organized all sorted all prepped and then you realize that it's your mum's birthday 
on Friday night going, okay, that's a curveball, but you just deal with it. And you go and you choose an option that's healthy for you, that you know makes you feel good. Um, and yeah, so you have to be, it, it's all about planning, preparation, consistency, but then also having that flexibility, you know, the, the ability to be flexible um, when, you know, when curveballs are thrown at you. And kind of, it's like a side note for this one. What kind of side of the fence do you, you, you reside? Are you very much uh, a person that meal preps in advance or are you very much uh, somebody that fle- does flexible dieting? I meal prep. Guilty. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely do. I think because I have the job that I have, so I'm up very, very early, half four most mornings, and um, and I work through until lunchtime, and I have a tiny gap, and then I tend to work and, and do my own thing in the afternoon. So for me, just having the food that already prepped is perfect. You know, I'll have my breakfast, I'll usually have the same thing, then I'll have my lunch is prepped, and then dinners, I'm trying to vary those up, so I'm not super prepped with dinners, that's usually just like protein, carbs, fats, um, something simple, Um, but yeah, the weekend I'm slightly more flexible, you know, I'll get to kind of a Friday night, Saturday night, you know, I might have a glass of wine, I might have a bit of dark chocolate, you know, might get crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I generally do prep, but that's what makes me feel good, you know, it makes me feel on top of my game it makes me know that that you know i'm always going to achieve good things from being organized that way so but what would, what would your advice be for somebody that thinks that's a bit a bit um how would i put it be tactful uh it can be quite overbearing at times something like that i'm i'm very much mm, i can't do it and that's that's my personal experience and kind of personal view on it I can do probably meal prep I don't know it'd probably be like two days or something like that, and it would be I don't know this is too taxing but what would be your kind of advice for somebody to what would be the easiest way to start in your opinion which way would you kind of lean towards to be honest like it, it's, it all depends on your goals Okay, so what is it that you want in terms of, you know, like your body, your nutrition, your health? If you want to feel, if you want to look a certain way, if you want to fuel yourself a certain way, if you're doing competitive sport and you need to have the certain foods in your diet, then obviously, you know, prepping is key. Um, for me, I do a lot of CrossFit still, so I need to make sure I'm fueled adequately with that. Um, and I generally stick to the same kind of like sport routine throughout each week. So therefore, if I'm sticking to that sport routine, gym routine, then therefore why would I not stick to that similar type of eating pattern as well it works for me it gives me energy I feel great um so yeah I'd, I'd say start small like if you're only just hopping onto the nutrition bandwagon then you know start small make some tiny habits you know whether you are maybe you're one of those people that don't eat breakfast every day so start with a small habit well what can I have for breakfast every day right let's start there or maybe you go through long periods of time without having any food you know you might give like more than four hours don't have any snacks so what snacks can I have during the day you know just very small habits don't kind of throw yourself in there all at once because you'll get overwhelmed and you probably won't stick to it (laughs) and then oh I've lost my train of thought that's not good um but if we kind of go back on what you've said and how I interpret it, it sounds like you very much have kind of that athlete mentality. It's very much everything looks like it's periodized, being training, 
nutrition, lifestyle. It sounds very much regimented to that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in a way that it, it is. Um, obviously, I said weekends are a little bit more flexible. But I think it's because... I'm a creature of habit and I like routine. Obviously, I've learned to be a lot more flexible now than I ever used to be. Um, and I can respond to more things better than I ever used to be able to as well. Um, but the thing is, like, you have to find out what works for you. Okay, so And it's all trial and error. So I've been through years of trialing and error. You know, I've been through an eating disorder. I know what is wrong and what is not healthy. And, you know, and now kind of having gone through all that I know what works for my body I'm very much in tune with my body and my mind um, and that's come from kind of years of, of working with it but hence why I want to be able to share all this and, and stop people from having to worry too much about it and kind of give them a bit of a shortcut into this is how you can, can feel great and feel healthy so yeah so and in this part of the episode I like to uh when I wrap it up I like to uh, ask the guests if you had to summarize this episode in one sentence, what would that be? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I would say um, it's been an episode of very interesting questions. <laughs> I tell you, curveballs have been thrown my way, <laughs> but hopefully I've overcome them. But yeah, no challenging questions, but good. Definitely put me on the spot, made me thought a lot, enjoyed it. Oh well, but, well, thanks Virginia for taking the time to come on the on the show. You're welcome. It's been great. Thanks for having me. And last question before we let you go: Have you got any plans, obviously going forward, with your like online side of online side of your business? Yeah, 100%. So I'm just in the process now of putting together um, an online course um like modules so the first module coming out is going to be mindfulness to overcome anxiety um it's basically an ability for people to kind of log on and they can buy the course they can tap into it it's an hour and a half and literally go through different activities they can do so that's very much niche towards um anxiety from there there'll be other courses coming out as well specifically for eating disorders and depression and other mental health things to help you with your mindset yeah where can people find that information yeah so i'm mainly over um social media so virginia underscore coats for instagram and facebook as well and twitter and i also have a website which is www.virginiacoats.com if you wanted some bonus content i have now set up a facebook group where you can interact with both the guests and i the name of this so-called group is mindset game So why not come over and check it out for yourself? And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review in iTunes as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.